You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your source for news, discussion, and debates about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I'm Nathaniel Rutherford. I'm joined again by Gene Henley, and we welcome you back for another episode here in the middle of, well, actually not even the middle of summer yet. It's technically not summer, but it certainly has felt like it here in East Tennessee, but in the uh, offseason, right smack dab in the middle of it here for college basketball. We appreciate all of you tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome in. You can find us, as I said at the uh, beginning of the show there in the intro, pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. We're on a new uh, location now as well. We just recently got added to Pandora. They have podcasts as well. So now we're on Pandora for podcasts. So we are, I mean, I have said this a lot of times, but we really are everywhere you can get podcasts at this point. Uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts are kind of the three main ones, but we're on Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, TuneIn. So check out all those as well. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Vol Hoops Fever on Twitter and Vol Basketball Fever on Facebook. Gene, a few news and notes here before we kind of jump into our a couple of main topics here on the podcast. We didn't record on her birthday, so I want to say a late, um, I guess, heavenly birthday here to Pat Summit, of course, legendary Layball's head coach, uh, one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest Tennesseans of all time. Her birthday was, uh, over, I guess, a couple of days ago at this point. It was, by the time you're listening to this, probably a couple of days ago, but it was on Monday, June 14th. So happy late birthday to the great Pat Summit. And, you know, again, gone too soon. She was a great Tennessean and in the same vein, Lady Vols, happy to see, excited to see what they're going to do. They also just did bring in a new, um, not strength coach, but they brought in a, a new member of the Lady Vols program. Let me see if I can find that really quickly here to touch on that. Well, I thought I had it mentioned on Twitter, but I guess not. But they did bring in, here we go, a new director of bas- basketball sports performance. It will be Brian Tatum. He previously worked at Auburn with the football program and has worked with Kelly Harper before at some of her other stops before she came to Tennessee. So that's worth noting as well there. A couple other things I want to note off the top here before we get into our main topics is today on Tuesday, June 15th, was the first day that teams could reach out to and talk with 2023 prospects. And we saw that with Tennessee, that Tennessee was in the news for several different guys in, in contacting and reaching out and offering different players. Uh, Tennessee contacted four-star power forward Justin McBride of the 23 class, five-star 23 combo guard uh, Kanan Carlisle. They also, uh, Tennessee and Arkansas and Gonzaga, Michigan State, or Michigan, Kansas State, Baylor, Memphis were one of the ones, or some of the first ones to reach out to five-star Jacoby Walter. And then Tennessee also offered five-star power forward Gigi Jackson, uh, Gregory Jackson, I think is his full name, uh, in the 23 class as well. So just a few names there to kind of throw out there that Tennessee has offered or has reached out to. Um, on, according to Jake Wietengarten from Stock Rises on Twitter, Tennessee and, uh, let's see, in Tennessee, Georgia, there's one other name he mentioned on here that Tennessee and Gonzaga were the first ones to reach out to a prospect. And let me go find that really quickly here. Yes, Tennessee and Gonzaga were the two programs to f- inquire today first for 2023 guard Jeremiah Johnson. So that's another guy. He's a, a top 50 prospect, I think, um, in the 23 class as well. So Tennessee and Gonzaga were the first two programs to reach out to him. Gene, we talked a little bit about uh, Quante Berry in the last podcast. He kind of released a, I guess, a top five of five finalists. Tennessee made that list along with 
Texas A&M, South Carolina, the SEC, and Virginia Tech and Providence. So just some kind of recruiting notes and news and notes kind of to throw out there here at the top of the show. The 2023 class is getting a lot of attention now. And of course, obviously the 22 classes, and that's what Quante Berry is in. Tennessee got a lot of big time targets in that 2022 class. Gene, another thing here I wanted to mention is we have the full participant list of the 2021 NBA draft combine, which will be taking place uh, here in, in a, I guess in a short while. I don't, I don't have the exact dates in front of me here now, but in a short little bit, the combine, I think it's in July, I want to say. I could be wrong. It could be late June. Um, let me look at that really quick. But anyway, Tennessee uh, has three players, or three former players, I guess, will be participating in the 2021 draft combine. No surprise here. Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer will both be there. And so is Eve Ponce, uh, June 21st through 27th. So it's actually, I guess it starts next week uh, is when it'll actually start um, on Monday. It'll run through the weekend. So Monday through Sunday of next week, we'll have the NBA draft combine. Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, and Eve Ponce, all three will be participating in the draft combine. And Jim, we've seen, and you remember a couple years ago, uh, Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, and Jordan Bowen all participated in it. Grant Navarro didn't, you know, it wasn't something that was going to really benefit them a ton because athleticism-wise and, and, and kind of size-wise and everything like that, it, it, the combine wasn't going to appeal to their strengths. But then we did see Jordan Bowen, his stock kind of rise after the draft combine because it did play to his strengths. He got to show off his, his quickness. He got to show off his speed. He got to show off some of his athleticism, uh, some of his shooting ability. So I'm curious with keeping that in mind and, and you know, know what we know about the draft combine and kind of what they do for measurables and stuff. They, they look at the, obviously the speed drills, they look at different um, shooting from different links of the, on the court, from the elbow, from three point line, from uh, different spots there. I think free at the line as well, if I remember correctly, uh, where all they, they looked at different time splits for different speeds, obviously your wingspan, your shoe size, your uh, vertical, that, you know, it's a lot of the same things for, NFL combine stuff, but obviously more tuned towards the NBA. But keeping all that in mind, do you think there, you know, do you think this is going to be a, a case where Tennessee, one of the three guys, has, you know, really helps the stock, really hurts the stock because of this? Because I could definitely see, you know, Keon Johnson has the, the kind of vertical athleticism that I think it's going to really kind of pop off the charts and you say, wow, look at his, look at his vertical leap, look at some of the things he can do. Eve Pons, I think, can, but I think the shooting drills are, are where he's going to I think those are going to hurt him. So I'm I'm kind of curious your thoughts. Do you, do you think any three of any of Tennessee's three guys could hurt or help their draft stock? Because I, I obviously think Keon and, and Jaden, and I think you'll agree with me, will get drafted and will be first round draft picks. But I'm not entirely sure Eve Pons will get drafted. And I don't, you know, I I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on whether or not this could be something that could help him enough to maybe sneak in like Jordan Bone did sneak into the, the very late second round to be drafted or not? Uh, well, the short answer to that is no. Okay. <laughs> you know, not for ease. Um, like there's, I don't know. Is there any sort of comparison to the NBA for Eve Ponds? Because, I mean, this would be my sober assessment of Eve Ponds. Um, tremendous athlete. Not a good shooter. Not a good ball handler. Not a good passer. Elite defender. 
I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, like, even if you want to, you know, if you want to argue with me and say percentages and stuff, I would actually say I watch how slow it takes for him to get that shot off. He can't get that shot off against anybody. And, you know, like, there are some specific sorts of matchups and things with Eves that, you know, that make things kind of work out for him. And look, he didn't get the, he didn't get the, the amount of open looks this year that he got in years past, well, last year specifically. Because, um, heck, two years ago, he couldn't shoot at all. Now, I mean, what you saw was a kid who's worked on this game and has improved. But I don't, but I think people also saw, they also remember what he was three years ago when he first got to Tennessee. And even two years ago when, heck, I'm in Memphis covering the Tennessee-Memphis game. And I'm watching, like, they literally left him wide open. And he missed three straight threes. Like, specifically. Like disrespectfully left him open, turned their backs to him, um, and so you, you. I mean, the thing that I have to ask is, if you're at his size, I think there's little, not, little to nothing he can do. If he's six six, but he's like a, a he's like a really good ball handler. With everything else that I just mentioned in terms of his game, maybe you take a chance, but he's not a good ball handler. Uh, if he's 6'10", with that athleticism, and maybe some of those same things as far as his shot, maybe somebody takes a chance on him. But he's 6'6", uh, again, elite rim protection skills, but he's 6'6". Um, I mean, and he's not he's not Zion special. Yeah. You kind of have to be something like that and look I mean I just I've been watching a lot of NBA this uh, this postseason I've just had some time at night um, and like I see Zion and I see Julius Randle they're kind of one of the same as players um, but they're limited and they're better ball handlers than Eves and so that makes so I Look, will he test great in certain things like all the like the high jump stuff, vertical leap, all that? I get it, but how much has he worked? It the last time that I saw that kid play, he could not. He he was not a threat dribbling a basketball. And like it or not, that's a pretty basic skill at his size. You know, like we could. I mean, people can point to. Well, look at this great dunk he had. Look at that great dunk he had. That's nice, but guess what? Like there are dudes who were like amazing in college at certain things and can't find the court. Or role players. We you know we've talked about Jalen Brunson on this podcast before. Uh, look, he's a nice player, but he's a role player. That was a national. That was called national college player of the year a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, like guys who just can't uh, the the big from uh, Jalil Okafor from Duke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. National Player of the Year. People enamored by how big his hands are. He had to completely re, you know, reinvent his game just to get a look. Completely, because how he played and who he was was not the same. So the memories don't matter. Like heck, if you, if you look at the players that are currently in the league for Tennessee right now, you get past Tobias Harris. Maybe Josh Richardson as a role player, and Tobias Harris has all the measurables, all of them, and you can see them. 
Every oh, yeah. time he steps on the basketball court. Uh, Josh Richardson's a nice player. It's a role, nice little role player in Dallas. Um, but then you look at these other guys, the guys that are in the league now, the, the ones who were, you know got there a couple years ago. Uh, Grant Williams is a role player. Pretty much the same size. And he has some elite, you know, he has some elite offensive tape in college. He does. He doesn't. So do you take a chance on a defensive guy that doesn't have much offense? Not in this day and age. Everybody just stockpiles offensive talent. It's every sport now. Mm-hmm. Every single one. That's why I think Tennessee football will be decent this year. I'm not even a football guy like that. Just stockpile a bunch of offense, get smart offensive minds, and figure some stuff out. That's what the Nets did, minus the fact that two of their three best players are out. Maybe one of their three tonight. So I don't see – again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking a lot on him because I don't think there's much that the other two really need to do. I mean, what, you're going to bump Keon up from seven to five or something? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out exactly where um, – well, I, 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 I do think it'll be interesting to see how Jaden does because he's a guy that doesn't – he watching him, he didn't strike me as like – like Keon to me is a, is a physical just – no one say freak, but his athleticism is going to test extremely well. Jaden, to me, I heard this often on broadcast, was likened to kind of like a, a pit bull type of guy. Like he, 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 to me, wasn't the most like athletically dominant, most athletically like. Well, wow, you watching him? I, I'm very curious to see kind of what his, you know, how he translates and what he does at the combine and, and what scouts will think of that because. He had a really high efficiency from shooting the three-point ball this year, but he also just didn't shoot a lot of threes. And I, I, I'm just—I think his—he's the one I'm most intrigued to kind of see of Tennessee's trio at the combine because I think he—I don't think it'll move his stock a whole lot, but I think it could maybe open the eyes or shut the eyes of a, a team or two at the combine and say, "Hey, this is a guy that we were a little high on that maybe we're not as high on, or a guy that we didn't have as high on our board. Now we're circling and maybe you know could take a little bit higher." I think he, he's he's to me the, the one I want, I'm, I'm most curious to kind of watch. 100%. And he's the one who can do more to help or hurt his cause. Like, he's the exception. Like, the other two, uh, I think they are who they are. Uh, and, again, obviously, Keon is a lottery pick, you know, before and afterwards. Um, I'm looking, you know, they've got, I see, you know, they've got what's-his-face – um, well, I see they've got Jaden as the 27th best prospect on, uh, on ESPN.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking to see if I could find the the draft stuff. I, they've gotten away from it, but um, but yeah, like I mean, look, it, it's you're you're talking about a kid here, you know, and people stockpile guard talent in the NBA. Even if it means they have to send them down to their G League team at, at some point, perhaps right. um, like stockpile it, figure it out, uh, and go from there. Now I'm looking to see. Uh, this is horrible. I hate these fan side <laughs> things. Um, I'm looking on the I'm looking for ESPN.com. This mock draft, and I can't seem to find the links. Maybe it's just my old age finally. <laughs> it's gonna catch up to me because I cannot find it. But uh, but yeah, like I mean, 
like he's the guy who when again when I look at it, he can do a lot to kind of help his stock out. Um, because I don't know exactly what he is. Is he a is he like a full time point guard? Um, is that what he is? Is he you know is he maybe more of a uh, is he just kind of a combo guard? He can play both positions. Is that what he is? I don't know. But like when you start when you start looking and parsing and figuring some of this stuff out, uh, that's when you're like, okay, I get it. I, I, I see exactly what this kid is. I'm looking at a mock draft that currently, unless I, okay, they God, this would be a hell of a heck of a fit. Uh, 29th to the Suns. For oh. Springer. Wow, yeah. An amazing fit. Um, with much of the Suns' backcourt depth entering free agency, it could make sense for Phoenix to swing for the fences in selecting Springer. Tennessee guards both one of the youngest players in the draft, one of his best perimeter defenders. Strong, instinctual scorer whose ability to get out and transition into the lane with his powerful first step should help him carve out a role as his perimeter shooting and decision-making continue to evolve. So that's that's, that's what I, I was trying to filibuster there for a minute to figure out exactly how to get there, and I finally did. It also has Keon going six to the Warriors, um, which would be an interesting pick too. Uh, yeah. But, so yeah, and I mean, like, that's where it's, maybe he's a little more than what these guys are giving him credit for, like most of these draft experts, but that's what this is about. That's what the combine is about. Like, you don't like, you don't like 29? Although that's, again, that'd be a heck of a landing spot, because I've watched that Suns team. That's a fun team. Um, that would be a heck of a spot. But maybe, look, maybe you think you're better. Every competitor, it always sounds silly when they say things, but every single competitor thinks they're the best player in the draft, they're the best player in the league, they're the best player on the team, whatever the case may be. So more than anybody else, uh, that I look at when I start looking at some of these names, he has such a good chance to enhance his stock in a way that these other guys uh, probably don't. Because, I mean, again, I don't think the Keons, like Kaminga, Suggs, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham. Those are the five people ahead of him right now. He's ahead of Davion Mitchell, Jalen Johnson from Duke. Not to be confused with Tennessee, former Tennessee kid. <laughs> uh, Scotty Barnes, Franz Wagner, Corey Kispert, Isaiah Jackson, Josh Giddy, a kid from Adelaide uh, in Australia. And that's the rest of your top 13, top, uh, top 13 teams. So, what, can he sneak ahead of one of these guys? Perhaps. Minga, maybe? The Cavs are picking fifth, and they've got like 27 guards, so maybe they make another decision to go get another guard in the first round of the draft. So he can help. The others, not so much. Uh, he being Jaden, the others, not so much. But that's what, look, it's all this stuff. All you have to do is convince one coach. One. Exactly. So maybe, you know, maybe somebody like Eves can. Get some, you know, get some coach excited with something. Maybe he shoots lights out at a, at a, you know, at a, at a draft combine. 
or at a at a team visit or whatever. Maybe he does. I just don't see it happening. I'm looking at a couple of big boards and mock drafts here, and on the Athletic, uh, San Vicini, I think it's how you say his his last name, yeah. um, has Keon Johnson number 17 on his big board, has Jaden Springer at number 22. And then has uh, Pons at number 68 on the big board, right behind John Petty, actually, funnily enough. And right, right between Trent and Watford and John Petty is where Eve Pons is. So <laughs> there you go. That, that, that kind of reaffirms your point to talking about like guys who you know from college who um, you think, hey, those I, I know those names. I've heard those names so many times. May not translate into the NBA. And I think that right there kind of shows you right there. Hey, Eve Pons is right between John Petty and Trent and Watford, two names that Vol fans for sure heard over and over and over again and they're projected to you know technically not be drafted i think that's just that's interesting the Mm -hmm. the watford maybe because of his movement um you know i mean petty maybe because they're just afraid petty's got you know so old man i mean dude's like 38 years old so (laughs) stuff out uh, but the Watford was a little interesting to me. I mean, yeah, I'm surprised about that actually. Yeah, uh, now I don't think I didn't think he's like a lottery pick or anything like that. But uh, so big. I mean, all those yeah. LSU guys are just so big. They haven't listed at six nine. He has a seven three wingspan. Like I, I, I think Watford gets drafted for sure. I really do. Like I, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't. I think. <clears throat> I think Watford maybe gets drafted second round. I think Petty signs a deal at least gets into a uh gets into a summer league team yeah and you know kind of goes crazy in a summer league team but again like there's just so many different measurables that i don't i know very little about because i've not spent a ton of time around nba scouts little but not a lot um so i don't know necessarily they know what they're looking for like i still remember sitting next to a scout two years ago that drooled over Jordan Bone. I won't, I won't mention the team, but he and Bone had maybe his best game of the season at South Carolina. Uh, it was the game in Columbia. Yep. And mm-hmm. he drooled over him. Like his decision making, his ball handling, his quickness, like just stood, ne- I mean, just sat next to me and just like salivated over how good he was. And then he went 57th, and it, that wasn't the team that picked him up. Uh, the team, that, the, the guy that was there, was not the team that picked him up. So, uh, I mean, these guys know what they're looking for. They know what they want. But I like you, kind of think that uh, Watford kind of gets a look somewhere, and who knows what happens with the rest, other two. But I mean, to have three SEC guys like back to back to back like that uh, in the '60s, you know, it kind of tells you like how competitive this league is, in my opinion, because. Uh, you got guys like that are in the 60s. Yeah, exactly. And, and on the other side here, before we change topics to the, the ringer, uh, Kevin O'Connor has on here, Keon Johnson on his big board, number six, Dragon Springer at number 22. And then you look at the mock draft that he did a couple weeks ago, and he has Keon Johnson going at number seven overall to the Raptors, which I think that's an, another interesting pick also they have uh with keon's his, his kind of comps here that says it has shades of latrell sprewell contavious caldwell pope and gary harris which i think those are some interesting um those are three completely unrelated players yeah that's why I, I don't know what <laughs> that's just kind of all over the board for him there <laughs> like i don't i would never have had the trail sprewell and caldwell pope in the same sentence i don't think 
but that's neither here nor there. Um, has him going number seven to the Raptors, which I think would be fun for Keon to go to the Raptors. Um, and then he has Jaden Springer, number 23, going to the Rockets and likens him such shades of Kyle Lowry and Malcolm Brogdon. So those are interesting picks, uh, seeing Brogdon Keon go. Comp for uh, for Jaden. Yeah, I think I would agree with that, too. That's a really nice comp there. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that would be a heck of a role to carve out in the NBA because that right there, Jalen Brunson, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, that's 10 to 15 years in the league and a nice little salary in a sport where the salaries – aren't the problem <laughs> <laughs> no that is definitely not the case uh in the nba yeah, looking at uh brogdon uh right now he's been up there for this is what his fifth year i think in, in the league was this past year yeah he wow this past year averaged 21 forgot how good of a year he had this past year averaged 21 points almost six assists and five rebounds a game this past season i forgot he really kind of exploded with indiana uh this past season but yeah i think that i mean that's that if that's the ceiling Jaden Springer has, that'd be, you know, really good, but I don't know if that's going to be exactly a ceiling, but yeah, I think I do agree with you. I think it's a pretty good comp for him. Um, but yeah, tra- transitioning at, at the, the draft, the combine is next week, like I said, 21st through 27th. We'll talk about it next week. I'm sure. Um, not sure entirely when all three of Tennessee's guys will go. I don't know the full schedule of like when guards, when forwards, when certain, you know, positions and stuff are supposed to be going. So we'll, I'll try to see if I can get that and update you all on Twitter and Facebook about, you know when Tennessee's players are supposed to be going through it and stuff, but we'll 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 talk about it on the podcast uh, next week whenever we do record and might kind of put off recording until we know for sure. You know if if they're going to go earlier in the week, great that we can talk about it midweek. If later later in the week, we might just talk about the following podcast and <laughs> we'll see. But we'll we'll talk about it at some point uh, in the future here on the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. Gene, the second topic I want to discuss here, the the final topic of the show, it it, it was something that I thought of a while ago. And something you said last podcast made me remember it, and I actually wrote it down this time so that I could remember to talk about it um, for the next podcast. And that is looking at it at a Tennessee perspective too, but also just kind of at college basketball at large. And we were talking about recruiting in Tennessee and, and Rick Barnes and, and the different caliber of players that Tennessee is recruiting, and the fact that you know they can sell that they've sent you know these guys to the league, and that Tennessee has you know they're about to be getting into kind of uncharted territory in terms of how many guys they're going to be able to send to the league in this short period of time where we, you know, they had three guys in the 2019 draft. They're going to have two this year. You may have two or three next year. That's going to be more guys in the past, you know, five years than Tennessee had in like a, what was it? I said like a 13 year span or something like that from the year, I think 15 year span from like 2000, 2015. So around there. Um, But that got me to thinking, what is more important or, or what is more impressive? You know, what, what makes the program's prestige higher? However you want to word it. What is more important to recruits for a school or, or a head coach? The number of guys or the, you know, the, the amount of guys, the type of guys that he sends to the NBA, that, that, you know, that they send to the league, or the amount of like titles and, and wins and you know, accolades you get as a, as a program. You know, winning, going to the Final Fours, winning conference titles, winning national championships. Which of those is more important to recruiting? Because I think what's more important to recruit might not be the same thing that's that's of importance to a fan. Because I think, to me, fans would answer, I, I don't want to say overwhelmingly, say winning titles. And, you know, because that, that they, they're not going to... It's cool to go see guys play in the NBA but in, in, in the pros or in any sport for fans. But fans of college teams 
remember the titles. You know, they remember that Elite Eight run that Tennessee went on back in 2010. But I don't think that people probably particularly care a whole lot whether or not, you know, Wayne Chisholm or J.B. Prince or any of those guys went on to go play in, in the NBA. You know, people loved the team a few years back when they had Grant Admiral, Bone, Kyle Alexander, Lamonte Turner, Jordan Bowden. I think they were happy that those that three of those guys got drafted or, or in the NBA. But I don't think that that's as big of a deal to them as the team being number one for a month and, you know, competing for an SEC title, getting to the SEC tournament title game, beating Kentucky a couple of times, and especially that big game in Thompson Bowling, getting to the Sweet 16. I think those are more important to fans. I think as a recruit, from my perspective, again, I've, I've never been recruited to basketball. I don't have any kids that have done it. never been best friends with a recruit or anything like that. But just from what I would imagine, I think it's more important for a recruit to see how many guys. That's why you see Kentucky recruit so well year in, year out, because Kyle Perry can say whether whether it's a fallacy or not, he can point to it and say, hey, look at these guys I've sent to the NBA. Now, some of those guys clearly were going to go to the NBA, whether Coach Cal was their coach or not. But still, he can point to the fact that Kentucky, and by extension him, they've sent you know dozens of guys to the NBA over the past 10 years. I think it's interesting to look at Rick Barnes and what he's done at Tennessee and, and what, you know, as we said last podcast, what could be the future for Tennessee in terms of NBA draft guys. Barnes can also point to what he did at Texas and look at all the number of guys he put into the league at Texas. But they also don't have, you know, national titles to back it up. They have one Final Four appearance, three Elite Eight appearances to, you know, you can point to. But I think, Gene, that it's an interesting question to pose. And I'd be curious to hear some fan feedback. Cause I th- I, like I said, I think fans overwhelmingly will say, you know, winning titles and, and getting wins and stuff in, in college is more important than to them than guys getting drafted. But I think the head coach's job and his job description obviously is to win games, but I think also what I think a coach is thinking is very important is to develop these guys and set them up for a future for success in the league. So I want to hear your thoughts on it. I think to me, recruits will view it more important. Hey, is this guy going to help me get money? Is this guy going to help me improve my, my draft stock to go get make more money and help myself and my family out. I think that is the ultimate answer for a recruit is it's more important to say, hey, look, my pro prospects going to this school are better than my pro prospects going to this other school. Yeah, I think the importance is to, is contingent on what the end game is. Um, and it's why I think I posed the question last week about do we understand exactly what's being built in Knoxville? Because the guys that were, the guys that were, you know, they kind of got, that kind of raised Tennessee's profile. Only one of those guys is even like, there's not a guy who outside of Knoxville uh, or Boston is any sort of a name um, in the NBA. And that, and that, that, team had three guys drafted um so what kentucky has done like those guys get drafted so high and if you look i mean every single look man there's no player hotter right now than um devin booker and that guy was a role player in lexington um like, there's not a hotter name right now. I mean, like, there's others. I mean, Chris Paul, I mean, blah, 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 blah. But um, there's not a hotter name in the NBA than Devin Booker. And so, like, so, you know, Calipari is 
going to push that. Heck, watch an NBA draft. It's an infomercial for them. Like they, I'm pretty sure they bring them on. Like I'm not watching, but I'm pretty. Yeah, sure I think you're right. On. So, like, and this is a bad year for him. So I don't know. I mean, he'll probably steer clear of it this year. I mean, I think he's got the Jackson kid, and unfortunately, it was the tragedy of Terrence Clark. Uh, and we'll see what happens with BJ Boston, but um, so I, I just wonder. Like this, this year would be a good year for for Tennessee. You know, you're going to have at least two guys drafted, uh, at least. I mean, obviously, I I know what I said about Eves earlier, but look, there's a chance. I'm never going to say never. Um, so, like, I think that what you're selling is contingent on what the end game is. Because I mean, I think each coach has a different pitch. Uh, Kalapari's pitch is, I'll get you to the league. Um, I just I wonder how many coaches are pitching have a chance to compete for that. I mean, when does competing for national championships come up as a reason to go to said school? Um, when, you know, because that that would be very interesting to me because it, it's not like Calipari. He's going to say, "I'll get you ready for the NBA." And while you're here, you've got a chance to compete for a national championship. That kind of tells you where the priority is. What is Rick? What is Rick pitching? Is Rick pitching development? Can't develop guys in eight months. You can't. It's just reality. You can't do an awful lot with these kids in eight months. You develop the kids that come back and come back and come back. Um, so, like, I, I think the what what works for recruits is dependent on how realistic their goals, I mean, how realistic their plan is once they get to college. Because, again, I think that, you know, I don't think that, look, man, Keon, Jaden, you know, guys like that, Huntley Hatfield, they're going to be gone in eight months. It's not bad for university. I think I've heard some people try to suggest that maybe bad, all these one and dones and blah, 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 blah. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's raising the profile as a basketball school. That's how I look at it. Like these kids coming in, playing. Look, man, they're giving everything they have. It's not like they're out there just, you know, going, you know, just going through the motions. Like they're going out there fighting. I saw enough Tennessee games last year to saw Keon Johnson in it. You know, locked in. Same thing with Jaden Springer. Those are guys that are gone in eight months. But what I look at is when I look at them, I mean, when I look at this profile and what they're trying to build, I think it's so important to get these kids in. And if you can kind of, you know, if you can get these guys to come back, then you have a chance to compete for championships. Like, I think it's so much more important to pitch championships because if you pitch championships and if these kids are hearing championships, now you can also say, and look, if you exceed our expectations, you can go. And, you know, and obviously that's a win for us. You know, like if you're, I mean, if you get a, bring a kid in and maybe the expectations, he's not a one and done guy, but he gets to a point where he can, that's a win for us. Like that makes, that makes the program better. Um, I'd much rather hear that, you know, as like the parent, I mean, like as the parent of a kid who is, a 2023 kid 
I'd much rather hear somebody pitching the college basketball aspect as opposed to already jumping ahead to the next step before we even got into the step. Like these are high school kids. Every kid thinks they can make it to the league. Like every, I guarantee you now, every sort of five-star prospect, and you had mentioned some um, some guys that Tennessee showed interest in today and offered today that are in the 2023 class. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those 16-year-old kids thinks they can make it to the NBA. So oh, yeah. every single one of those kids who is be- talking to a coach starting today, every last one of those kids probably heard from every last one. The three, the, the letters NBA undoubtedly came up in conversation. Undoubtedly came up in conversation. So what else? You, what else are you going to sell? So sell. Look, if you're Rick, sell development. Now I know it's not realistic, but sell it. These are 17, 18 year old kids. You know, it's just reality. I'm not saying it's a lie. It's not a lie. You're going to do everything you can with the coaching staff that you have in place to develop those kids to get them ready for college. I'm sorry, to get them ready for the NBA. But your goal as a head coach, you've got to have some level of selfishness. It can't all be about them. You've got to have some level of selfishness selfishness to say, yo, let's go get a, let's go get a chip while we're here. Let's go get something while we're here. Like, it, like the fans hate that part. The fans hate the NBA part because they want to fall in love with the players. They want to. Like, that's, again, that's why Grant Williams, Schofield, Alexander, Bone, Turner, Fulkerson, that's why those kids are, I mean, those guys are held in such, you know, high regard in Knoxville because they were a part of that. But if when you get to the highest level of program, that, quote, unquote, it's not realistic. Because guess what? Everybody loved Gonzaga. Everybody loved Jalen Suggs. He made the shot of the NCAA tournament. And guess what? Gone. Eight months later. Um, Every name that people fell in love with. UCLA, they fell in love with Johnny Juzang. Gone. Gone after a year. Like So you're not going to fall in love with these kids because now with the transfer portal, good luck. Good luck with the one-time waiver. Good luck. So if I'm a coach, my focus has to be on developing my team for now. And if they do develop, they'll be gone. But I've got that on my resume, and I can keep on pushing and getting other good players in there. And you get some of these kids like Jordan, you know, like Jordan, Josiah James. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Like a Josiah James who can be a program a culture builder that you have in there who's also a talented player and surround him with other players and now you've got a chance to compete for a championship which is what the fans want at the end of the day I think you said it pretty well and I'm, I'm trying to think of any more stuff to kind of add to that but I think that's that's really well done really well said and I, I think you look at it's it's a unique position of where Tennessee is and this, this may be kind of repeating some of the stuff that we talked about last week but I mean we're we're literally in, entering a time in modern Tennessee basketball that I I have never seen because as 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 good of the the postseason runs and stuff that obviously you know Bruce Pearl had Pearl didn't send a lot of guys to the league I mean he, he had a few guys that you know, obviously Tobias got drafted you, you had a couple guys get drafted and you had a, a couple other ones that um, obviously Chris Lofton should have been in the NBA but 
you know, that was out of, out of his control, that he has been doing a really good job over overseas and stuff too. But Tennessee, other than – I mean, other than I guess what the the '70s and some of the '80s, like they they've not had a, a strong run of sending guys to the league. You know, while I've been alive, Tennessee hasn't consistently put players into the NBA. Growing up, I'm trying to think when I was when I was really started watching the NBA and, and getting into basketball. I don't even know if there's a, a Tennessee player that I can think of that I really like watch because when I was getting to it, it was like the tail end probably of Allen Houston's run in the NBA. Um, I mean, Vincent Yarbrough and Hayslip are up there, but like they they didn't make as much noise in the NBA as you know you would have liked to them to have. So I mean, I I I don't recall my younger years when I was getting into the NBA and stuff really having any other Vol players to really watch. And right now, I mean, it's not like kids nowadays are going to be watching and you know to see Grant Williams, but they'll know they'll know who Tobias Harris is. And if you have you know, there's a chance they'll know who Josh Richardson is too, just because Richardson has, like you said, he's, he's carved out a good solid role. Uh, he's been a good role player for the Sixers or the Mavericks, uh, whoever he's with before that. I've totally forgotten the other team he was with before the the, the Sixers. Well, he was with he was Sixers. No, it was Heat Sixers. Heat. Yeah, thank you. Because yeah, he was traded. He was tra- He was in that Jimmy Butler deal. Um, like when you think recent history of Tennessee basketball. The last one to really make an imprint for a long period of time. I mean, Tobias now, because uh, I mean, he—it's, you know—he's always been the missing piece for teams, and now he actually is. Like, I'm glad he's finally getting a chance because it was almost a joke that people would always say, "Oh, here comes Tobias Harris," like with his hundred million dollar deal, and now he's actually out there showing he can do it most times. Uh, but before him, it was who? Allen Houston. Yeah, because he was up there for and I, he was in the in the NBA for a while, like a, a good decade or so. Twelve I think. years, yeah, twelve years in the league, and I mean, like that's that speaks to a lot. Like, I mean, that speaks to Tennessee's. You've got to have some level of longevity as mm-hmm. like a good player. Like Allen Houston averaged twenty two, you know, twenty two a game in New York. You know, like yeah. I mean, I'm seeing a season here. For his career, he averaged 17 a game. Like, that's a really, really good career. And, and like, that to me, like, I understand. Get drafted. You know, get recruited. Get signed. Like, the mission's over. Mama, I made it. But the reality is, like, if you don't get to, like, that certain level of longevity, like, it's like people picking on the whole Kwame Brown thing. Like, look, man, like, I understand he was picked first and he didn't live up to number one expectations. He also played 13 years in the league or 12, whatever it was. Um, you know, like, that's like that stuff matters. So when I look at this whole thing with, like, Tennessee's history, like, look, man, we can – do we know how – do we – Allen Houston is 50 Golly. We can't keep, you know, like we can't. I don't know why that blew me away, but it did. Yeah, we can't keep leaning on Ernie and Bernie. Man, that was like 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. But, like, the, it, it's time for Tennessee, if they truly want to be a basketball school, to really put somebody in the league that has an imprint for a long period of time. Like I said, I think Tobias is that guy, but that's one guy. Like Gonzaga has that many guys. That Hachimura, like he's gonna be a good player for a long time. 
Mm-hmm. He's going to be. He's going to be a good player for a long time in the league. Suggs is about to be a lottery pick. So that's like back, what, two of the last three years? I mean, Kispert's going to make it. Uh, we'll see what happens next year. I mean, they'll have the Chet Holmgren kid that I – he's brittle. He looks brittle as I don't know what, but, I mean, he also looks like Kevin Durant. And last time I checked, Kevin Durant has carved out a nice little role for himself in the NBA. And that, you know, that – that you know, what I can't I can't think now. Uh, overachiever <laughs> guy over there, uh, against all odds. Um, but like that's a very it's a pretty jarring set because that was like thirty years ago. Allen used to got in the league in ninety three. Got in the league in ninety three. So in twenty in almost thirty years, there have been two names that you look at and you're like, man, like that's one of our guys. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're a Tennessee fan, that's one of our guys. Look at him. Every single time he does something well, look at him. Because like, I mean, you get past those, man. Marcus was in the league like three to five years. Hazel, Vincent lasted one year. Um, I mean, he guys like Tony Harris didn't make it. CJ Black had some health issues. Yeah, like I, like I, I'm I'm looking like the, it's incredible to me how many guys Tennessee had, like big name guys Tennessee had that just didn't do well in the league. Like you're talking about like longevity. Obviously, Bernard King was up there 16 years. Dale Ellis is up there almost 20 years, which is yeah. really impressive. But then you look at guys like Tony White. I mean, he barely got a cup of coffee up in the league. You you look at Reggie Johnson. He didn't really do very much. He was up there for I think four or five seasons, but he didn't really do a whole lot. I mean, Ernie Grunfeld was in the league for almost a decade, but he didn't really play a ton while he was up in the league. You had to go back. I mean, look at Tom Borwinkle was a seven-footer who was up there for a decade with the Bulls. But, I mean, you look at other names that are sprinkled across Tennessee's, like, you know, big-time name list in, in college ba- – and, and, you know, in their in their history. And aside from – I mean, you look at the 70s. Like I said, 70s, 80s, I think that, that was kind of the heyday for – Tennessee players in the NBA because going going into the 90s, at that point you'd had, let's see, Dell Ellis would have still been in the league in the 90s. I think, I guess Bernard King would have probably just, yeah, he would have been he would have just left by the time Allen Houston got into the in into the NBA basically. But really, that I mean the 80s, 90s, that was probably the heyday for Tennessee when it comes to looking at players in the league, and then. You went a long stretch there after after Houston was out. I mean, you you went a long stretch there without having any meaningful presence in the NBA because Hayslip was only there for a, a few years. Yarborough was only there for a few years. I mean, and there wasn't many guys between Houston and those guys that got drafted. And there wasn't really, there wasn't anybody after Hayslip until Tobias Harris that did get drafted. And like I said, you had guys like C.J. Watson who wasn't drafted, but he was in the league and, and you know made a name for himself there. But still, like, it's been, there hasn't been, like you said, a lot of guys you can kind of hang your hat on, especially recently for Tennessee when it comes to pointing to the NBA and saying, hey, look at this guy. This is a guy who repped the orange and, and, and that, you know, got drafted and, and is killing it in the league. Tobias is the first guy since Allen Houston that Tennessee can point to that can say that. And it's been a while since, like I said, Houston's last year was, I guess, what, two thousand mid-2000s, kind of early mid-2000s. So it's 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 been a while. Yeah. <laughs> it really has. And again, it, it it all depends on what your perspective is and what you want. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm literally looking here at the, uh, you know, and and it's not like it's what I'm saying is not a perfect 
sites. But I'm looking at the All-NBA teams who just announced. Um, of the five guys that made first team, only two of those guys went to college. One of those played at Davidson. The other played at San Diego State. Um, on the second team, you've got uh, Weber State. I'm trying to remember all these. Weber State, Kansas, Wake Forest, Kentucky, High School, LeBron. And yeah, then right. third team is a guy from Marquette. I don't even remember where Paul George played at. Uh, Florida. Oh yeah, Florida with uh, Bradley Bill and Duke with Kyrie. Um, which is Paul George played... Fresno State. I would yeah, never Fresno, have guessed that. Somewhere in California. I just couldn't remember where. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, so like, it's not like it's a perfect science. I mean, you see one guy from Kentucky and one guy from Duke, and the guy that played at Duke played what eleven games. Kyrie, I think, played eleven games at, at Duke. Uh, not many. Yeah, not many. I think it was eleven. He was the number one pick in the draft. And it's well, this is just such an interesting, interesting exercise because no Kevin Durant. Uh, yeah. yeah, as I see him hit a jump shot. Um, who else am I missing here? No, James Harden. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, there, there's. It, it's not like what I'm saying is a perfect science. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's not. Like, just. But it looks good. Like, I mean, there's so much representation because if you're a Kentucky, you're like, yeah, I understand. Um, that we didn't have, you know, we may not have had a guy, you know, make all NBA, but we've got Devin Booker. Have you seen what he did lately? <laughs> you know, right. that's, you know, Texas can say, yeah, we didn't have, we may not have had an all NBA guy, but we do have Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, heck, Stanford can throw out the Lopez brothers. At least one of them's out there still playing. Um, like it, 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 but it looks good. And the more things that you can push out there, all-star appearances, uh, because you have that has to be the next level. You, like the cat, the guys can't just simply be in the league. Right. Grant Williams is in the league, but I mean, I, I you're not going to get that sort of talent. You know, the sort of talent that goes into the league and makes an indent. You know, and, you know, makes an imprint. Um, by propping Grant Williams up there because that right. worked to get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't just I'm gonna you know go to school and play for eight months and be out. Not gonna be able to do that. Though so that dude worked and earned and grinded his way there, put up some ridiculous games in Knoxville. Yep. Did it as a six six post player, and now in the league, he's a nice little role player, I guess you could say. Uh, right, which makes like what what Tobias for for context for those who may not keep up with the NBA or or even care for what Tobias is doing in the NBA right now, in in the games he's played in the playoffs, he's averaging almost a double double, averaging twenty three points, almost nine rebounds, almost four assists, and is shooting forty percent from three. I mean, he he is having a phenomenal postseason run, and he's scored twenty points in all but one game of the nine games he's played in so far this postseason, and that started with him scoring thirty seven in the first game they put against Washington. And he's, like I said, scored at least 20 in, in every other game except for one since then. So, I mean, he, he's, like, that that's what makes it important to be able to point to him and saying, hey, look, maybe it may just be one guy, but at least Tennessee has a guy they can point to and say, look what he's doing right now, that, that we have someone playing 
meaningful basketball in June and not just being a role player, but like being a, a, a star on the team, a guy who's been the really, I think probably the, the second leading scorer most of the time behind Joel Embiid for the Sixers this postseason. Allen Houston played 839 career games uh, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Tobias Harris is currently at 680. Wow. Like that's that's carving out a, a nice little career. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm seeing, you know, his best season was like a couple years ago. Uh, he split time between the Pistons and the Clippers and uh, was a nice player there. Um, had his best, you know, statistical season with the Clippers, and I think in, in this season is averaging just a hair under twenty points and seven rebounds and three and a half assists a game. He's a really nice player. Now, unfortunately, you only got him for a year. If you're Tennessee fans, you only got him yeah. for that one season. I get that, but um, like that's what that's what can raise the profile. And look, man, like you getting a grant, getting an admiral, having those sorts of guys in there, that helps. That has to help in some regard in terms of raising the profile. But really just, you know, getting a combination of guys who go to the league and kind of make an indent. Like, you're not going to compete with Kentucky there. They're not because he's got a whole model built on that. We'll see what happens with Duke because he's like, you know, obviously Coach K's gone now. Uh, a lot of Duke guys that spent six months in, in, in college that are figuring things out, you know, that are starting to do pretty well. Um, R.J. Barrett had a decent season. Zion's at least a name. Um, yeah, I think Cam Reddish, well, he's falling out of the rotation in Atlanta. I may be hurt or something, but like you, you've got multiple guys there. Grayson Allen had a nice year in Memphis. Like you've got a bunch of guys there that have done some really nice things. And like you're not going to compete with that. But if you can kind of get to that next level, because look, man, five stars go everywhere. Like, I mean, I understand everybody gets so excited about five stars. I mean, they're going to Gonzaga. One's uh, at what? Uh, God, Milwaukee this year. <laughs> you know, I mean, five stars go everywhere. Like, there's like what, mm-hmm. 30 five stars in basketball. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like you're talking about 35 stars in basketball. Like, I mean, those guys go everywhere. Yeah, like a kid with like Oklahoma State came coming on this past year. On Oklahoma State, you had uh, what didn't did Western Kentucky get a five star? Yeah, he's early, he's, but, uh, yeah. he's like a, a friend, Charles Bassey. He's a yeah, Bassey, yeah, friend, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, fringe uh, first round pick this year. Um, I mean, look, man, they all come in different shapes and sizes. Uh, like, in look, they go everywhere. So, like, stop getting as excited about that. Like, it's really doing something. It's just, man, these kids will pick where they want to go. And if, they, and if they've got a friend that they're close with, uh, and this, look, it's not just Blasted Fossil. It's just kids in general. I mean, kids that, like, they play AAU with, that they like playing with, and those two want to kind of keep it, you know, run it back a little bit more, they'll do it. Cool. Let's get after it. Let's go have fun. Let's go have fun with that. Let's go play. And that's where most of the stuff, I mean, it's all the stuff that was created by, like, LeBron, like, what, LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh, like, 10 years ago, where it's like, hey, you know what? Let's just go somewhere and play with my friends. And now, like, Kevin Durant's kind of taking him, don't put that on steroids. But, you know, let's go play with my friends. So, look, man, you're going to get, like, yeah, all these kids, these kids are going to pretty much take 
the opportunity to go wherever they choose to go. Now the kid, man, the kid from that's going to college at Milwaukee, I think his dad's the head coach. Cunningham had his brother had was was on staff at Oklahoma State. I don't know what the LSU Ben Simmons thing is, but it's not like before. Heck, Javante Smart's an LSU guy. He's a five star guy. Uh, you know, Trenton Watford. And these are guys who turn into, at least according to prospect rankings, you know, decent. I didn't even hear you mention exactly where Javante Smart was um, on the draft. On oh, yeah, draft yeah. I, I, I didn't look not, I, was just, I was just looking at guys around ponds. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's fine. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I'd say I could imagine him being somewhere around where Petty is. I could see that. Um, yeah, that was a five-star. See, it doesn't necessarily matter that much when it comes to NBA. So you have to have a combination of the guys who go in there, uh, who have the talent. They've got to just be like elite of the elite. Keon Johnson is elite of the elite. Now, what he what he turns into as a pro is entirely up to him. His work ethic, how hard he how hard he gets after it, his fit. I mean, I've seen a couple of. You know, destinations that may not be great fits for him. Like, there's just, man, like, there's just not good play. This happens in college, too. Like, kids make bad decisions, and, and you know, they have to, they actually make those decisions. But, right. you know, in the, in the pros, you can't choose where you go. So you end up in a situation, look, man, people have Blake Griffin for, left for dead. Yeah. It's amazing what happens whenever you find yourself a new home. When you get to a new place, when you get to a place where you're around other good players and they care, mm-hmm. it's amazing what happens there. It is just stunning when, you know, all, all I heard was about how Blake Griffin hadn't dunked in forever. No, he just didn't want to play in Detroit anymore. So, I mean, if I'm any of these guys, <laughs> if I'm Keon Johnson, I'm hoping and praying I don't end up in Detroit. I would hope and pray that this Golden State thing is works out because not a lot's going to be expected of you, kid. Not a lot. Last time I checked, they've got two pretty good basketball players out there. They've got one elite one, and they've got one of the most elite shooters of all time in Clay Thompson. They don't need a ton out of you, kid. They're not going to need a ton. So if these kids can get into a good spot, now all of a sudden you have a chance to get another one of those kids who kind of can have a Tobias Harris sort of career and further raise the profile. Because if you're not going to compete for a national championship, you better have some draft picks. You better have them. Like Kentucky ain't competing for national championships. Fans hate that, but guess what? They they you know they'll it, it's a little easier to stomach when you've got Anthony Davis. You know, a little easier to stomach when you've got some. You know, when Tyler Hero takes over the bubble there for a couple of days. You know, Julius Randle has his moments. You know, this year. Some people were kind of talking about him as an MVP. Devin Booker goes 8-0 in the ball. It's a little easier to stomach there. Like, as much as it bugs you and you hate it, you can kind of get over that stuff. So, if, like I said, if they can figure out how to get some guys up to that nick into the draft, um, Tennessee can, I think the rest will take care of itself. But if you can get a nice mix of both talented players, kind of what Villanova has, Right. Something like that, because I mean, everybody always brings up with Tennessee. They always bring up Villanova, Villanova and Gonzaga are the the two. Yeah, just weird. I, I don't know why, but they do. Like those are the two. Well, I I think it's because those two programs aren't, you know, they aren't 
recruiting at the level of a Duke or a North Carolina or a Kentucky, but they, but they've had success. They've they've done it largely with, I think perceived at least largely with guys who are more two three year players rather than one duns. I think I think that if I had to guess that that that's why that gets brought up with Tennessee. Yeah, I, it's just so weird though because what's different is Tennessee's in the same league as those guys. Like we can talk about BCS yeah. conferences, all this, that, and the other. We, I mean, well, that's terminology from a coach that I won't mention his name because Tennessee fans don't like him very much. Actually, I don't think college basketball coaches around the country like him very much. But he always referred to him as BCS games and BCS conferences. Um, like, look, man, Big East is a nice is a nice conference. Um, but the West Coast Conference. Yeah, it's what it is. But like, there's a whole little, you know, little engine that could sort of narrative when it comes to that stuff with Villanova and Gonzaga, and I'm like, man, they're they're not that. Like, they're not that at all. Like Tennessee's out here playing in the SEC. <laughs> you know, like, you know, from the perspective of any other sport in the country, in football, imagine being called the the Boise State. But you're in the SEC, right? <laughs> That's yeah. it's just a fill, it's just a sort of feeling there, and and I don't know, maybe it's not fair or whatever. Maybe that's just me, but again, I just look at it. It, it sounds so different to me. Like it, it just sounds like it's that. That's just not quite. It is what you want because those two teams have well, one team won a national championship, won two of them, and the other. Uh, had, I thought they were slightly overrated this year, like for what they were, uh, like best team of all time stuff. But look, and that Gonzaga team was really, really good, like really good. Um, and I guess it's okay to be named there, but again, I'll, if I'm a Tennessee person, I'm like, man, do I want to be compared to to that uh, in terms of my recruiting and and all this, that, and the other? Like, is that the comparison for me? So I don't know. Like I said, that it's just one of those things with me where I'm just like, yeah, I, I guess I would like it because they win. Uh, they win a lot. They win at high rates. They're always in the national conversation. You know, I mean, but man, I, I kind of want to hold myself to uh, I'm in this league. I'm in a league that I'm in the league with Kentucky. You know, I'm I'm in a league with what half the teams. I mean, how many teams in the SEC signed a five star this year? It's what seven. Yeah, yeah about half of them. There. I mean, seven. Like my league recruits at this level, but we're the team that gets this. No, <laughs> that gets this. Like you know, well, look at what Tennessee's doing. Like, you know, it's so nice to see all Tennessee going out there and you know building it from the bottom. Well, it's built. Whatever it is, it's built. Whatever they're going to be is built, because if they're not building something, then what are they doing? It's that's it, always going to be my question. What are they building? I don't have a clue. Like if it's going to be this whole little little engine that could change the recruiting, because this ain't that. Because this right. national narrative, this is you're one of the top five ten recruiting programs in the country. So you can't now be that. You can't now be the little engine that could anymore. Gonzaga can't be. The little lovable losers anymore. I'm sorry, Gonzaga fans. That can't be you anymore. When you're getting the number one player in the country to come to your school, you have. And, 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 I mean, repeatedly making Elite Eight 
Final Four runs yeah, too. Like, sorry, I yeah. can't. I can't go there with you. Like, I understand that people mm-hmm. want to do all this stuff with them. You can't do it with them. You just can't. Like, it bugs me because, like, why are we sitting here treating, you know, treating Gonzaga with kid gloves? Well, look at them. You know, it's just so good to see what they've been able to do. What do what? Like, I mean, Adam Morrison's been gone for fourteen years. He was like the what the number three pick in the 2007 draft or something like that. He's been gone for a long bleeping time. And we're still treating them like they're that same little team. They're not. Now I understand they play in a, their league is horrible. That's no fault of their own. You can't say, well, they're playing a real league and then it's like, okay, well, let us get in that league right there. No, 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 no. no. It's the stuff they did with UCF when they tried to get into the Big 12 and Memphis and Houston. You know, go play in a real league. They try to get into a big league. It's like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to let you in there. Right. We're going to keep complaining about your your whack schedule and all. Like, that's the stuff that just gets me. I'm like, come on, man. You know, Villanova's at least in the Big East, which has history. Now all those teams are gone, but you still have history. Mm-hmm. Still a really nice league. You know, but like Gonzaga gets treated with this little baby, you know, this little, this whatever lovable underdog narrative. I'm like, that's just not fair. And so to throw Tennessee in there with that, with the team that y'all kind of pat on the head, oh, look, it's so cute what Tennessee's doing. No, Tennessee's killing it in recruiting is what they're doing. Yep. They're getting number one point guards in the country. They're getting legitimately 6'10, 6'11 power forwards. Who have I don't know I don't know a good comparison for Huntley Hatfield yet. I have to think about that. But this NBA comp would be really bleeping nice, really nice. Giannis with a shot. He's not Kevin Durant, but he's not Giannis. Giannis can't shoot. I groan every time I see that. Shit. That that dude took eight threes in a, or six threes the other day in a game, and I groaned all six of them. I bet Milwaukee fans did too. <laughs> But I don't know exactly what Huntley Hatfield is, but he has a chance to be a legitimate NBA player, not just good, like a legitimately elite NBA player. What Anthony Davis? Not same, not same body type, but that's what you're talking about. Like you went out and got one of these little unicorns that you don't get. Tennessee does not get this guy. Vincent Yarbrough was an elite prospect. He was 6'7". Tobias Harris was an elite prospect. What was he, 6'8"? Huntley Hatfield's like 6'10". Handles the ball maybe a little bit worse than those guys. At worst, a little bit worse. Maybe just as well. Shoots the ball at an elite level. At a good level. of He can hit the three. Can get to the lane. Can post people up. That's who you got. Villanova doesn't get that guy. Gonzaga gets him now. So I don't know, man. Like I, I just with where with where they are right now. Like this, this is the time for what whatever Tennessee is aspiring to be in their recruiting. And I still have questions as to if do they actually know, or are they just like, oh, we have a chance to get this kid. Well, heck, bring him on in. We got a chance to get a do. Okay, cool. He wants to reclaim. Can bring him on in. We'll figure it out once they get there. Because it seems to me that that's kind of what Tennessee's doing right now. They don't have a plan. 
But they're like, whatever this plan is, it involves a bunch of high-level prospects. They'll be here for six months, maybe eight months. We'll win a bunch of games. We'll send them to the league, and we'll we'll try to yeah. We'll we'll start all over next year. No, I I think that is a good conversation to have, and I think that'll be one because we've got oh, so here now. I got words for that one next. Week. Yeah, that, I think I think we'll table that one. I think that'll be what we talk about uh, next podcast, Gene, along with probably the NBA draft combine too. But I think that'll that'll be what we. we do next podcast. I think oh, that's I can it. rant. Well, I can. Rant I'm gonna man. I can, write that down right now. I've got thoughts. <laughs> I've got so many thoughts on that, man. But it again, it looks what they're doing right now is good. I just, yeah. it just is not. It, it's not something that we're going to talk about tonight. But I've got, <laughs> I've got thoughts. I can say that. Well, we'll table it for next week. So, guys, if you you know what next week's episode is going to be about, so. Tune in if you're, or I guess, marking on calendars, whatever. Get, get, get ready for next week because we get to hear Gene on his soapbox as we've we've heard before on a soapbox. I live there. I live. There. I haven't gone. I haven't actually gotten onto me soapboxes, which is kind of surprising. I guess maybe once the season is underway, we might hear me on a couple of mine, but we'll see. But I think that'll, that'll be where we end this one. Like I said, I, I I'm excited for next week's episode. We I already know what it's going to be about. Don't even, don't even have to brainstorm about it a whole lot so thank you all for listening I, I know the length of this one was a little long apologize for that but I, I thought we had some pretty good discussion hopefully you guys thought the same thing if you have any thoughts or opinions you want to share on any of the topics we've just discussed whether it was the NBA draft combine and, and Tennessee's players and their stocks uh, the, the topic we just talked about with the uh, whether it's sending guys to the draft or winning championships that's more appealing or the 2023 guys Tennessee reached out to about what it is if you have an opinion you want to share with us Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. We're at Vol Hoops Fever on Twitter and Vol Basketball Fever on Facebook. Leave us a message. Uh, rep- you know, reply to our comments or choose to reply to our post, comment on our post, whatever it is. Uh, just leave your opinion, your thoughts on anything we talked about this episode, previous episodes, or what we're going to talk about next week. So just let us know. Signing off for Gene, I'm Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another episode.